Uh, thank you, Dan Smolonik, for your kind and generous introduction, and a special thank you to the Board of Governors for selecting me to become a member of, the, of a very distinguished group of canonists who have received the Rule of Law Award, the highest award which can be bestowed by the Canon Law Society of America. I consider myself to be truly undeserving of this honor, and with our society today granting Sister Sharon Holland an honorary lifetime membership for her years of service to canonists, I am most unworthy. When I received the call last June, January 30th from our president, Dan Smolonik, and he greeted me with the words, how are you doing and are you busy? I told him that I was at a truck stop on my way to Tampa, Florida for Super Bowl 43 so that I could be present to experience the Pittsburgh Steelers becoming the champions of the National Football League for the sixth time, a canonical custom. And I immediately thought to myself, the answer to whatever question would be no, presuming that he was calling to ask if I would be part of another committee or task force or whatever the Board of Governors may have thought of at their winter meeting. As he proceeded to inform me that the role that the Board of Governors had selected me to receive the 2009 Roll of Law Award, I was shocked and humbled and told him, you have to be kidding, what do you really want? Dan kindly informed me again that I had been selected to receive the Roll of Law Award and asked if I would accept. The no soon became a yes. And so I stand before you today accepting this award on behalf of all the canonists who labor each day in the vineyard of the Lord to bring justice, equity, and compassion to the members of the Christian faithful. The reception of this award brought me to think a great deal about my own ministry in canon law and the importance that this ministry plays in our church. One of my confreres mentioned, without knowing that I was this year's recipient, that almost every person who receives this award says that they never intended to study canon law and never considered this form of service in the church. He was hoping that this year's recipient would be excited about having chosen canon law rather than being chosen. Well, I hate to disappoint him, but I was chosen out of the blue. I did not think that my bishop even knew who I was, but one day his secretary called me and told me that he wanted to see me tomorrow. My first thought was, what have I done? When I arrived at his office, he was busy at the window with some papers. While shuffling his papers, he told me that I was going to go to Catholic University to study canon law. He did not ask if I was interested, just that arrangements had been made for my departure and my studies. Thus began this 32-year journey in canon law. Maybe the Spirit does work in mysterious ways, since there is nothing more I wanted to do than simply be a parish priest, but somehow I was called to serve the church in this ministry. Every previous recipient of the Role of Law Award has been asked to offer some reflection on the law. When I looked at the past recipients, I was filled with both awe and fear, awe at the company of the people who have had a significant role to play in the formation of law, the teaching of law, and writing about the law. Names such as Thomas Green, Frederick McManus, John Alessandro, Frederick Easton, John Beale, Sister Rose McDermott, Lucy Vasquez, Barbara Ann Cusack, and others. I could not imagine that I would now be part of that select company. 
fear that I could not even think about a subject that would have any meaning or significance. I went back and read many of the responses from my library of almost 30 years of proceedings and hoped that I would be inspired. But in the end, I thought that my reflection would focus on the ministry that we are all about, our call as canonists, and our wonderful society. In 2005, the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops published a document entitled Coworkers in the Vineyard of the Lord. In that document, the bishops state, quote, in the broadest sense, ministry is to be understood as service, diaconia, and it is the means for accomplishing mission in the communion of the church. It is a participation in and expression of Christ's ministry, unquote. Ministry then becomes the presence of Christ in the world in which we live, a presence which entails compassion, service, and love. But can we truly love unless we are first and foremost at the core of our lives, a just people. Law then serves as the minimal expression of how we can become a just people and thus a loving people. Like a prism, the law is seen in various ways by different people. Some view the law as rules that inhibit a creativity in areas such as liturgy or tribunal practice. Others see the law as an extension of theology or as a means of good order. Some even question why a loving church needs law. In reality, law is the way in which we Christians begin to express what we are about, loving one another as Christ loves us. Without the law, justice, fairness, and equity would probably not exist. Therefore, canon law and those who administer it play a significant role not only in assisting an individual in need, but by helping the church to be a loving and caring community. For most of us gathered here this evening, our canonical lives have been dedicated to serving the church through our ministry in the diocesan curia, chancery, administration, or tribunal, or working in and with religious communities, teaching in seminaries, or diocesan education programs for the diaconate or lay ecclesial ministers, or by being a professor in a canon law faculty teaching the fresh canonists, and writing for those of us who have been at this work for a long time. But whatever our individual ministry, the goal of the work is the same, to bring into the community of believers a just and equitable church in which all are welcome. Our ministry has affected the lives of so many people who seek to become closer to Christ and his church. Whether we are working in the tribunal, assisting people who have lived through broken marriages and wish to seek admission to the sacraments, acting as canonical advocates in a case of sexual misconduct, or serving as a judge or promoter of justice in similar circumstances, each of us has ministered to the people. In order for us to continue to work in this vineyard, I believe there are three important and interrelated principles that we must all pledge ourselves to if we are to continue to assist the Christian faithful, clergy, members of consecrated life and laity in bringing about the kingdom of God. These principles are competence, conviction, and service. To be a competent canonist is more than having taken a course in the Decretals of Gratia by John Lynch, Procedural Law by Tom Green, Sacramental Law by Sharon Holland, or Religious Law by Rose McDermott. It is more than having written a dissertation or passed a comprehensive exam 
or received our licentiate or doctorate in canon law. Being competent is listening to the various arguments proposed by other canonists, continually updating ourselves, reading the current canonical and theological literature, and being willing to revise our own positions when better arguments have been advanced. There is nothing better to assist us in this first principle than our participation in this society. The society has provided each of us over the years with a wealth of publications to help us become more competent in our ministry. The commentary, the various handbooks, Roman replies and advisory opinions are just a few of the publications provided by the society for our continual update. In addition, one of the most important services provided is our annual convention. Each year as we gather at this convention, we come not only to hear seminars and major addresses, but to network with each other, to hear others' experiences, to learn from the successes as well as the failures of others, and to gain insight into how we can become more competent as canonists, a ministry called to lead people to Christ through the church. The people of God have a right to expect us to be competent and offer sound and reasoned advice in the protection of their rights in the church. Conviction is a virtue which is brought about by competency and the spirit working in and through each of us. As we offer advice to those in leadership or give counsel to those who have been accused or assist other members of the Christian faithful in having their status in the church clarified, Canonists must have the conviction to speak the truth in love. Sometimes the advice is not what others want to hear, or the advice will delay the actions that people want to take. But it is our responsibility as canonists to hold firm to our conviction about the law. This conviction is brought about by our understanding and study of the law, and by our willingness to place ourselves on the line in the pursuit of justice and equity. Our own code of professional responsibility states, quote, the canonist is marked by zeal for justice in the church, aware that each individual must sacrifice for the common good. True communion is advanced only when the dignity and the fundamental rights of each person are held inviolable. The canonist takes as a solemn obligation fidelity to the cause of justice and to the competent fulfillment of one's office even in the face of misunderstanding or opposition. Service to the law in the church becomes the basis of our ministry as canonists. I would propose that we are servants in two distinct but very interrelated ways as we continue on our canonical journey. First and foremost, we are servants to the people of God who seek our competence and conviction. We are called as ministers to serve them with diligence and compassion as Christ. Secondly, but no less important, we are called to serve each other, to assist in making each of us better in serving the needs of the church. Service in and to the Canon Law Society of America is as important, is, is important to our ministry as the competency and conviction we all desire. In my own life in this society, I have served you as president, treasurer, member of the Board of Governors and have served as the editor of a handbook and on several committees and task forces. I can stand before you and say that I have learned more than I have given, I have been enriched more than I have enriched, and it has made me a better person for having offered my service. 
I challenge each of you, those who are already serving and those who are yet to serve, to give your time and talent to our society so that we can be enriched by you. In accepting this honor this evening, I do not do it for myself, but for all of us who labor in the vineyard of the Lord, for canonists whose names are known and, vote, and for those who are not known, for those who are seasoned and for those fresh from graduate studies, and for those who have gone before us marked with the sign of faith. This award is graciously accepted on behalf of all who truly love the law and are enriched by service to the law. In closing, we are reminded in Canon 1752 that the care of souls is the supreme law of the church. Let us not forget that our ministry is one that requires competency, conviction, and service. Let us serve one another so that we can attain the goal so eloquently put forth in our Constitution. Quote, mindful that church laws ought to be pastoral in character and made only to serve the people of God, we accept our responsibility as Christians trained in canon law to continue research and study and to assist any members of Christ's body singularly or collectively, laity or clergy, who will welcome the deliberations research, and common opinions of this society, unquote. Thank you for this wonderful honor, and may each of you grow in age, wisdom, and grace before the Lord.